The Old Testament lesson for the second Sunday in Advent is from Malachi chapter 4. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. On the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts, remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and just decrees that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Behold, the day is coming, we heard last week, a day coming in which your king, Jesus, will return to reign. In the meantime, as again we heard last week, that means you are kind of like outlaws in this world, not subject to the laws of this world, which say that you must strive for temporal things, that you must invest yourself in this world, that you must follow your heart. You're not subject to those laws. Live as an outlaw, waiting for your king to come. He's coming back. He's coming back and he will reign. And he will set right everything that has gone wrong. He'll restore righteousness and peace. He will glorify you. He'll vindicate you. That means that everything false that was spoken about you by the world, everything false that your heart said to you when it doubted in God's love, every one of those things will be cast away. And you will see your king, glorious, reigning for you, loving you. Behold, the day is coming. Today we hear Malachi describe that day. And it has a bit of a different tone than last week. It's kind of dark and grim. What is that day like? Burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. That day is coming, which will set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. That's an important thing, this day of wrath and day of judgment. It's the only way for righteousness to reign, is for all evil to be rooted out. God told his people of old, the people of Israel, so often, purge the evil from among you because evil taints righteousness. It spoils it. It makes it unrighteous. It robs you of peace. Here's how Malachi describes that day. He says there's a day coming when you will once again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. The day will be a day of clarity, when all of the things that are muddied in our world, all of the things that are confused, all of the things that we misperceive and misunderstand about what is good and what is bad, when all of that will be cleared up. And it will be terrible for those who have chosen the part of evil. Now imagine what it would be like not to be able to tell the difference. Take something trivial. Imagine you couldn't tell the difference between hot and cold. Now, when you're sitting out freezing in your deer stand, you might think that's a good thing, not to be able to tell what is cold 
or when you've just burned yourself. You might think it would be great if I couldn't tell what is cold, if I couldn't tell the difference. There was no difference at all between hot and cold. Of course, you know that it makes no difference whether you recognize it. Hot is still hot and cold is still cold. You will burn or you will freeze one way or the other. It's better. It's better if you can tell the difference. Because then you can avoid what is painful, what is harmful. It's better if you can see clearly what is good and what is bad. Or again, think about not being able to tell the difference between clean and dirty. If you have ever raised kids or been a kid, you know that the difference between clean and dirty is not always so clear. Clean your room. It is clean. (laughs) No, it's not. What if you couldn't tell the difference between clean and dirty? What if you were looking through the windshield on your car and you thought it was clean, but it was all smudged up and you couldn't tell the difference? It'd be awful not to be able to tell the difference between one thing and another, between two opposites. Or again, think about the difference between what is beautiful and what is ugly. Now, you might think that would be a very gracious thing, not be able to not be affected by something that is ugly, to see someone who's grotesque and not think that person is ugly. But if everything's all the same, if there's no difference between beautiful and ugly, then there's nothing to rejoice in. It's all just blah. It's all just neutral. Or the difference between fresh and rotten. Think about that. If you went to the grocery store and you couldn't tell the difference between fresh peaches and rotten peaches. If you've had a fresh peach, you know that there's a difference. You know that that's what you want, that that's the good thing. But imagine you couldn't tell the difference and all you knew your whole life long was just mushy peaches or hard and wooden peaches. It'd be terrible. How much more does it matter that we know the difference between good and evil? Imagine that you couldn't tell the difference between righteousness and wickedness between right and wrong. You would spend your days doing whatever it was that you wanted, and you would never know whether you had done well or poorly. You would never know whether you had pleased God or whether you were storing up for yourself judgment. If you didn't know what the laws were, if you didn't know that you're only supposed to drive 55, you would be surprised on the day that you got pulled over. How much better for you to know what is good and what is evil, to be able to tell the difference. Now, a very important truth to recognize about humanity is that we all come into this world insensible. That is, not being able to sense the difference between good and evil. Not being able to tell the difference between good and evil. In fact, very often, thinking that good is evil and evil is good. Now, we all have within us God's law written on our hearts, which tells us that some things are just outright wrong. So you know that you shouldn't murder, you know that you shouldn't steal. But even those laws, those things that we know, written on our hearts, they're all tainted with selfishness. So while you have God's law telling you that some things are good and some things are bad, you have your own law, your own heart, telling you, yeah, but it's not really that bad, or it's not really that good. And what your heart does is it muddies the water. It takes something that God intends to be clear, the difference between good and evil, which is as different as light and darkness, white and black, and it muddies it, mixes it all up. That's what our hearts do by nature. Just think about the way we deal with love. How often we think that love is about us, what we're getting from someone else, instead of what we owe to them. How often the world confuses love. 
thinking that love is about what's in your heart, what you feel inside yourself, as opposed to giving yourself to another, sacrificing yourself, laying down your life for another. The world muddies it. Our hearts muddy it. And the reason is very basic. It's because, by nature, when we are born into this world, we do not fear God. We don't know who he is. If we know something about him, we think that he's far out there, distant and grand, but we don't fear him as our personal judge, the one who's going to call us to account. It's like, imagine that you could tell the difference between somewhat rotten and mostly rotten fruit, but you'd never tasted fresh fruit before. That's how it is for us in this life. Yes, we have some sense, but it's all messed up. It's all muddied. It's all unclear. This is where God's word comes in. This is why God's word is so important as a daily part of your lives. It should be a diet that you follow, a steady diet of God's word, because what God's word brings to you is clarity. Clarity in the face of this muddy and muddled world. Clarity in the face of your heart, which wants to stir things up and keep things unclear. It is sensibility. It's the ability to tell the difference in a world that wants you to ignore it altogether. That's what God's word does. It cuts like a sword. It says yes and no. It says good and bad. It says up and down, and it is from God, not subject to our own whims, not what we feel, not what we want, but what God says, because God has made it that way. And so when he says, love your neighbor as yourself, he says it because it is good. When he says, lay down your life for your friends, he says it because it is good. When he says, honor my name above all else, he says it because it is good. Now you would think that with that offer on the table, look, if you have God's word, everything can be cleared up. The the waters won't be muddied anymore. You can come out of darkness and into the light. With that offer on the table, why wouldn't everyone take it? Why wouldn't everyone say, look, this is just what I need. My life is miserable. Lives are miserable. If only someone would tell me what is good. And here is God saying what is good. Why doesn't the world accept the offer? Why so often do we reject the offer? There's a passage from the Gospel of John that you know well that explains this. Listen to John 3.16 and the following verses. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The Gospel in a nutshell. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him to bring clarity and light to people who live in darkness. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works be exposed. Why does the world love the darkness? Why does the world love the waters being so muddied? Why does the world love not being able to tell the difference between good and evil? Because it means you can do what you want. It means you can get away with being who you want. It means you can live in that vast gray area. Look, I'm neither good nor bad. I'm just sort of there following my heart. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. We love not having to render judgment about ourselves or about anyone for that matter. We love 
ignoring the diagnosis. It's like going to the doctor and the doctor is going to show you what's on that scan and you say to yourself, I'd rather not see, I'd rather not know, I'd rather just live in ignorance. That's how the world regards it because of course the treatment is painful. It's not pleasant to have that broken bone set. It's not pleasant to take chemotherapy. It's not pleasant to have the doctor poke and prod and manipulate you. But why does he do it? Why does God shine his light into this darkness? Why does God expose our evil deeds? Why does he draw a sharp distinction between good and evil? Why does he leave us with no wiggle room? It's because he wants to give us hope. He wants to set us free. Whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. This is the offer for you this Advent season. Behold, the day is coming burning like an oven, when once again the distinction between good and evil, between the righteous and the wicked, will be made clear. So take care this season. Take care that you be found on the side of the light, that you be found among the righteous and not among the evildoers. Take care, like Paul said to the Romans, take care so that you would have hope. Take care, like Jesus said, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. Take care. Listen to God's word. Set your mind on his words, on his promises. Do not muddy the waters. Do not let them be muddied in your hearts. Listen to him. Why? So that you may have hope. This is the goal of everything that we do in church. It is not... It is not what so many think, that is to rain down fire and brimstone from heaven. If only we could get everyone to shape up and do what is good, then everything will be okay. That's not going to happen. Here's the point. The point of all of this is that you would have hope, not in yourselves, not in your own abilities to save yourselves, not in your own ability to live comfortably in that gray area, but instead that you would have hope that Jesus himself has brought you into the light that he has forgiven all of your sins, that you, he has made you one of his children, that he has drawn you already out of darkness and into his great light. And that's how this warning about the day that is coming, this day burning like an oven, that's how it can be a joyful warning for you, a joyful announcement for you, because after all, on that day, you will be set free. Finally, once and for all, from all of the confusion of this world, from all of the confusion between good and evil, from the confusion that besets us when we look around us and we see evil people prospering and the righteous perishing. It's like the parable Jesus tells of the farmer who planted the wheat in the field and somebody came in the middle of the night and sowed weeds among that wheat. And so now there's a field growing up with two different kinds of plants, good and bad. And the managers of that farmer, they say, should we go through and pick up all those weeds? And the farmer says, no, not yet. Lest in pulling the weeds, you also pull the wheat. And that means that until the harvest, it's hard to tell the difference between the wheat and the weeds. Until Jesus comes again, it's hard to tell the difference between the righteous and the wicked. Until Jesus comes again, the waters will continually be stirred up by the world and by our flesh. It's why until Jesus comes again, our hearts need to be fixed on God's word so that we can see the light so that we can see what is true and good, and above all, so that we can hope in his promises. After all, the clearest light is this, that your Savior has come, 
that he died on the cross for every wicked and evil deed. That he died on the cross for every last bit of darkness in every hidden corner of your heart. Every one of those things, all of the sins that you would like to keep hidden, all of the things that draw you back into the darkness, he's taken them away. He's paid for them. They're done and gone. And you are children of light. Rejoice in that fact. Set your hope in that fact. And thank God that one day when he comes to judge the living and the dead, the verdict that he announces for you will be innocent, perfect, righteous, blameless. That you will be those vindicated, those who trample the wicked under their feet, those who reign with their king in heaven eternally, those who rejoice that at long last, at long last the day that has been prepared arrived. To God alone be all glory now and forever. Amen. Please rise as we sing our offertory.